On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, you know, sometimes we point out some not-so-good things that young people do. Sometimes they do some stupid things, older people too, but regardless, when a young person does something exceptional, we want to highlight it, and we've got a young person who did just that. He's going to join us. We're going to be chatting about Woodstock 50. Is it a good idea to have another Woodstock? Why was it not good enough to leave Woodstock alone? Seems like it was something that could have stood on its own, but... Apparently not. And the phrases that drive us nuts. Will, who runs the show, Will's the guy who keeps the podcast going. Will and I are going to chat about the phrases and words that people use all the time that we need to get rid of because they drive us nuts. All that coming up on the podcast. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We hear stories at times of kids doing stupid stuff. We do. Just this, I was reading one just today. You know, how many times have we talked about that stretch of the 403 in Mississauga where we seem to keep having 18, 19, 20-year-olds driving at some insane speed? Another kid was over 200 kilometers an hour when he got arrested. So, yeah, we hear the stories about stupid kids, but we also hear stories occasionally of kids doing amazing things. And if we're going to point to the one, we absolutely should and have to and will point to the other. Uh, my first guest today fits the bill of the latter, of the kids doing good things. You probably heard, if you were listening a moment ago, as I say, you heard it on the news with Rick Zamper. And if you're just joining us, this will be maybe new to you. Uh, Aiden Gilmore is a grade 10 student at St. Mary's here in Hamilton. First day back from March break, he and a bunch of other students are on their school bus on the way to school in the morning when something suddenly went wrong. And I'm going to bring Aiden on now to talk about it. Aiden, how are you today? Oh, hello, sir. I'm good. Excellent. Let's go through this uh, because this is a great story. You are on the school bus on your way to school. First day back from March break, right? Right. And you're sitting somewhere near the front of the school bus? I'm directly behind the bus driver. All right. And so, and where was the bus at this point? Where were you driving? Um, We were driving on a a straight stretch of road, right? Um, Oncoming traffic was on the left. And on the right, there was like a a small swell-like area. Okay, and what are you doing? Are you just watching the road, or are you on your phone, or what are you doing? Well, at that moment, I'm just, you know, I'm just watching the road as the bus goes by, right? You know, it's just going to be a Monday after March break. So you're uh, feeling pretty good about being on the school bus. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Anyway, uh, all of a sudden, what do you see? Well, all of a sudden, I notice that something goes wrong, because the bus driver's head, it tilts towards me, and I realize that he's having convulsions, that he's having a full seizure. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Um, no, sir. So how did, I mean, how did you know what it was that he was having, or did you just guess that because of what was happening that that's what you figured it was? Well, I, like, I know the signs and symptoms of a seizure, so I just correlated those two things, sir. Now, did you know this driver? Is he your same driver every day? Uh, yes, sir, he is. Okay, so, so you're familiar with him, and he's never done anything like this before, so it really is out of the ordinary. It was. So what do you do? Well, at that moment, I realized that I had to do something, so I got out of my seat, and I took to the wheel, and um, I just I directed the bus into the nearby Swell Lake area so that oncoming traffic wouldn't get um, hurt, yeah. and, um, and I did that to make sure that any cars behind the bus wouldn't get um, damaged as well. Was it now? Was it easy to move the driver out of the way, or did you just jump on top of him to get to the brake into the uh, the steering wheel? What did you do? Well, I sort of like leaned, like on, like I sort of leaned towards the driver. And I sort of just took the wheel, 
like from him because he wasn't conscious at that current moment. And I just directed the bus towards the side of the road. Aiden, at the point you're doing this, do you have any idea if anyone else on the bus had even realized yet what was going on at that moment? Um, no, sir. It happened all in like a split second. Any, was there any, th- like what made you think to grab the wheel all of a sudden? Well, I just noticed that something was wrong and I noticed that at that moment that I had to do something because I was the closest person to the bus driver and I didn't want anything to happen to anyone else. So I just, it just came natural to me, sir. How, any idea, do you know how many people were on the bus at this time? Um, it was a full um, wow. load of students at the time. Okay. So if the bus had gone into an oncoming car or gone into a ditch or something like that, it, it could have been rough. It could have been bad. Yes, sir. It could have. Uh, did, did, were you now, I mean, I, I'm sure you worried about the driver cause you say you, you know him, you see him every day. I'm sure you're in retrospect, you're worried about his health, but at the moment when you saw this happening, are you worried about his health at that exact moment or just stopping the bus first? Um, I was worried about, I mean, I was worried about both at the moment, but I had to get the bus to safety so that everyone else would be um, good as well. I do, uh, I found this very funny when I heard this story. You're 15 right now, right? That's correct. So you don't have a driver's license? No. Have have you, I don't know if you want to admit it, even if you have, but have you ever driven a car before? Um, no, but I have driven a golf cart once. Okay, <laughs> Okay. well, that's not, that's not that far off. A, a, a full school bus and a golf cart are almost like driving the exact same thing. Almost. <laughs> was, so was it easy to do? Like, is it hard to drive? I've never driven a school bus. Is it hard to control a school bus? Well, I'm not sure, sir, because it, it all happened in the moment, right? It was like the adrenaline took control, so I re- really wasn't thinking about that at the time. What hap- so, how, so it takes a few seconds to get this stopped. What happens after you get the bus stopped? Well, after the bus is stationary, um, I, have to get, I unbuckled the bus driver's seatbelt, and then I na- announced to the, um, the bus that the bus driver was having a medical crisis. And then someone came forward, and they helped carry the bus driver out of the bus, so they could see what was wrong with them because someone there had a lifeguard experience. So they knew the signs and symptoms of the seizure. And so some other people then, and I've got some names here, uh, Kevin Brennan, Logan McCorquadale, Rachel Wilson, and Kennedy Couture apparently were all people who jumped in and helped with this. So there were other people as well who were able to jump in and help. That's correct, sir. And how about the, what's the state of the driver now? Do you know anything about his health or anything like that? Um, From what I heard, sir, he is uh, good and he's recovering. It is a great story, Aiden, and congratulations to you for uh, for doing that because, as you say, with a full bus and what the possibilities might have been, uh, great that you were there to do that and your quick thinking is uh, is admirable. Thanks for doing this. Well, thank you, sir, but I couldn't have done it without all of the other students that were on the bus at that current moment. That is Aiden Gilmore. Uh, really appreciate you taking some time for us today, Aiden. Thanks for doing this. Um, you're welcome, sir. That's uh, See, there's a great story. First day of spring, a great story about a 15-year-old kid. Who knows what might have happened to that bus? And I'm not being funny. I mean, absolutely seriously. Who knows what happens to that bus and the people on it? You don't want to think about things like Humboldt. It's a different situation. I understand that. But you know what? You talk about buses that are full and bad things happening. Good for Aiden. Great thinking. Good for him. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Guess what's coming? Woodstock 50. Uh-huh. It's going to be in upstock, uh, upstate New York, not at Woodstock. Then again, the first Woodstock wasn't at Woodstock. The first Woodstock was in Bethel, New York. 
which one time, once upon a time when I went there to try and see the spot of Woodstock, I drove to Woodstock and became the latest idiot who had to be told to go to Bethel because I didn't know that. Anyway, uh, lots and lots of names that are already on the docket to be performing. Everybody from Soccer Mummy to Earl Sweatshirt to Hot Tuna. Those are all bands that are going to be there. There's some other ones that are a little bigger name than that. I want to bring on Alan Cross. He is a music historian. He's a creator and voice of the ongoing history of new music. Alan, thanks for doing this today. Always glad to have you here. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, when I look at the lineup for this and I look at the number 50 beside Woodstock and all the rest of the stuff, is this a good idea? <laughs> well, it's a branding exercise. Yes. The, the brand is very, very powerful. It's very evocative. Uh, so there is money to be made from this. And frankly, Michael Lang, the guy that's in charge of it, really needs to atone for some sins in 1994 and 1999. Uh, two <laughs> other anniversary shows, which were also not in Woodstock. I was at the 94 one, and it was the most miserable experience I've ever had. And in fact, I, it, it completely turned me off going to uh, festivals for a very long time. 99 was even worse because it was held at an Air Force base in Rome, New York, and it was a lot of pavement, was really, really hot. And uh, we ended up having all kinds of vandalism and damage and sexual assaults and uh, violence and horrible things. So, so everything Woodstock was known for, really, peace and love and sexual assault. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> so we, we yeah. you know, <laughs> the first Woodstock is this, was this iconic thing. We have to understand that in 1969, the idea of a big gathering of young people in the field to watch music was a really new thing. Mm. The real, the first real music festival of that sort was Monterey Pop in San Francisco in 1967. So this was still really new. It was at the end of the decade. Everybody was united by music. Everybody was united uh, by a hatred of Richard Nixon. Everybody was united by an opposition to the Vietnam War. So it really was this sort of mythical gathering of people that was later uh, memorialized in song by so many people. And, and in myth, there was the soundtrack albums which sold well. There was the movies that well, the movie that was very, very popular. And then, of course, everybody talks about how there was all this, this, this peace and love with people like Jimi Hendrix and The Who and you know, Abby Hoffman was there and The Grateful Dead and on and on and on. So that, uh, that, that was Woodstock then. Then they tried to resurrect it in 94, which, uh, like I say, was not a good time. 99 was a disaster. So they're going to try it one more time in 19, uh, for the 50th. And I, I, looking at the lineup, it's kind of, you know, what you said at the beginning, uh, something for everybody. Um, kind of like what we saw, it's a combination of Coachella and Lollapalooza and Desert Trip. Basically, that's what we're looking at. Let me ask a question that may be considered sacrilegious by some people who are the diehards of the diehards in the music business. Was Woodstock as good as we're always told that it was, or has time enhanced the legacy and the reputation to the point where now it's the greatest event in the history of music, but back then it really wasn't as great as we hear? All right, it was rainy, it was muddy, there was bad sound, there was bad acid, uh, there were facilities were terrible, uh, the traffic jams extended for miles, and there were at least 400,000 people there, although that's been inflated to 500,000 or 600,000, most of which did not pay because they just crashed the place. Uh, does any of this sound like a good time to you? <laughs> yeah, but it has become that. Well, yeah. It's, it's now become kind of, the thing that everybody who was there tells you and f 10 million other people tell you they were there. Well, it, it was, like I said, special because of the time, because it was so unique, because so many young people gathered in the same place 
united by the same thing. So it was lightning in a bottle, really. It, it really was. Now, this music festival, this the new 50, it's, it's just another music festival. I mean, you know, you can go to Coachella, you can go to Lollapalooza in Chicago, you can go to Bonnaroo, you can go to Glastonbury, you can go to any number of festivals that didn't exist or were in their ultra, ultra infancy state. Well, no, I guess not. Glastonbury, I think, was 1970. Uh, that didn't exist when the original Woodstock came along. So it, this is nothing new. This is definitely, like I say, a branding experience. It is going to be a, uh, a money-making opportunity because you know that there's going to be lots of sponsors involved. You know that tickets are not going to be, I think, Woodstock, which was like six or eight bucks or something. But as you said, nobody actually, or very few paid for tickets. Paid for, but that's not going to be the situation here because you know that there's going to be day passes, there's going to be weekend passes, there's going to be all manner of VIP access ranging from, you know, I don't know, a spot close to the stage to uh, covered tents and glamping and bottle service with prices that will reach into the into the five figures, just like we saw with Desert Trip. You're starting to make me have a, a, a thought here of that movie Fire that I just watched on Netflix. Well, this will, again, be better organized than that. <laughs> we and hope. It, and it's not an, on an island. It's at Watkins Glen, which yep. is a racetrack, and Watkins Glen has a history of of holding large gatherings for, well, races and also for the the occasional uh, music festival. So it's it's the infrastructure's there, unlike what we had at the original Woodstock, which had no infrastructure. Uh, and I can tell you that some of the worst porta parties I have ever seen in my life were at Woodstock '94. I won't. Oh God, I'm just having <laughs> well, let's take now. a let's take a break while you regroup after having a flashback to those porta potties. Take a quick break and back after this with Alan Cross. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. My two favorite names of bands that are already lined up to be in here. One of them I said before, Earl Sweatshirt. Love that name. Uh, The other one, Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. Been there, had too much meat to eat one night and got the Night Sweats. Uh, Andy, uh, Andy, um, uh, sorry, Alan Cross. Had a brain fart there for a second. I'm sorry about that. Alan Cross, music historian, curator, and voice of the ongoing history of new music we're chatting about Woodstock 50, and you mentioned Michael Lang, who's the guy who was behind the original Woodstock. He is a guy who, at that time, and in the movies and everything else that came out after, he was renowned for the the purity, uh, allegedly, of the Woodstock festival, of the idea behind it, the peace and love and everything else. Has that reputation completely <laughs> vanished with what he's done since? Oh, absolutely. It's gone. <laughs> it's totally gone. This idea of three, three days of, of peace, love, and music, come on, uh... It, it it was it was a it's a good slogan for a poster, but uh, and some people may want to romanticize the way it used to be the way it was in 1969, but uh, having been there in '94 and, and watching '99 mm. on TV, no, it's just it's it's not the case. Here's the, here's my real question about this, and, and I'm not wanting to be a downer on this. I, I mean, if it, if it turns out to be a great music festival, if people love it, if it's like Coachella, whatever else, that's great. I mean, if it's a if it's a good time, it's a good time, and we should want people to be able to have that. I don't get though who this is really for because you're calling it Woodstock '50. You're making it a reflective think back to the time of night of the 1960s for the old folks, and you're throwing in people like John Fogarty and Santana and David Crosby and Country Joe McDonald. And then most of the bands, honestly, anyone under 30 would probably never have heard of. Who is this for? Well, I think they're going for a multi-generational thing. They want to have the old hippies come back, maybe with their 
grandsons and granddaughters to experience the whole thing, which is, is kind of neat. I did see that at Desert Trip when I went there a couple of years ago. There were, I saw one particular family, four generations. Four generations wow. were there all enjoying the same thing. So if that's an opportunity, uh, why not? I think that's pretty cool. Um, as for everybody else, you know, there's a lot of competition because Coachella is in April, so that's kind of removed from this. But Lollapalooza in Chicago is the first weekend in August, so that's two weeks before. That could be a little bit of uh, competition. And then we have all the other festivals that happen around uh, North America around that time. So, you know, to make this work, they're going to have to try really, really hard to draw a substantial number of people. Now, I haven't seen any estimates about what they're hoping to gather. Is it going to be, would they be happy with 80,000, 100,000, 115,000, uh, 300,000? I, I, I don't know. They do have room for about half a million. I think that's what Watkins Glen had mm. for one show back in the 1970s. So there's room for a lot of people, and we still don't know things like uh, accommodations and other uh, attractions and uh, camping and everything else that goes along with it, and nor have we seen uh, ticket prices yet or ticket packages yet. So uh, what was interesting is that uh, we were supposed to see this light up in January. A couple of names leaked out, then a couple of names leaked out after that. Then there were some stories that maybe there's some financial issues going on, and that went away. And then today, or basically last night, uh, all these names just you know, dropped on us in one big chunk. So now everybody's trying to sort out what all this means and, and what the chances of success are. What, what is, in your mind, because you're the guy, if anyone knows music history, you're the man, what is the greatest music single, whether it's a festival or gigantic concert, of all time. And I, I, you know, maybe you're going to tell me that something else, two of them that have to be in the mix, I would think would be Woodstock and Live Aid. Is there another one that would be ahead of either of those? SARS Fest. That would be a great one. That was a fantastic event. Th- that was? In Downsview Park. Well, you were there, I assume? 2002. No, I was working. Oh. I was working at, at, at Y108 at the time, so no. <laughs> I had to stay back. I had pe- We had people there, but I was on the air, so I couldn't go. Uh, but I did watch it all on television. I mean, that, you know, Rolling Stones and Rush and, and ACDC and, you know, Justin Timberlake, that was fantastic. And it was free. And if you look at the uh, projected attendance, it was bigger than Woodstock. More people went to SARS Fest than, than, than at Woodstock. So why? It's a, it's a great point. I ne- you know what? It never even dawned on me. And I was there. I went to that concert. It's the, oh, it's the only one of these big ones I've ever been at. And it never even crossed my mind. Why do we sort of diminish that one i guess and may, I or maybe i'm alone in that i don't know well, because because it's in canada you know we just don't it was never mythologized in the way that some right. others uh concerts have i mean there's and it was a one-time only deal that was the other thing it was never to be repeated and uh it it's it's it became this this big hallelujah kumbaya come together thing to help people uh, all involved in the SARS crisis, and then the SARS crisis went away, and then we never did it again. So if you could have gone to any one of these festivals in all of time, would that have been the one, or would there, which one would you have wanted, wished you could have been at? Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I wish I could go back and re-attend Lollapalooza 1993 at Molson Park, 93? Sorry, Lollapalooza 1992 at Molson Park in Barrie. Uh, that was easily one of the, 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 
probably the best outdoor festival gig that I've ever been to in my life, given the lineup, given the vibe, given the... the Who was there? Uh, Well, put it this way, the uh, first band on the main stage that day was Rage Against the Machine. Oh, it's a good start. And then we had had, uh, Ministry, we had... uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they closed the night. Uh, there was some band called Tool on the side stage and the band called Stone Temple Pilots on the side stage. Wow. So it was it was a remarkable... Who else was on the main stage? Uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Jesus and Mary Chain and Ice Cube. There was a band called Lush that played the main stage. Uh, there was the Jim Rose Circus sideshow there that year. <laughs> they got a oh, little bit of was, everything. It was, it was nuts. It was it was one of you know that was the, the that show. would be it. Alan, right. we got to run, but I want to ask you just one last thing. Simple answer: Is this the last Woodstock? Well, can you? Is it worthwhile doing the sixtieth? I don't know. Seventy fifth. Uh, Country we, Joe McDonald will still be preserved by then. They can bring him back. He's got that one song. <laughs> that everyone will sing along to. That's right. Alan Cross, always love having you on here. Thanks for doing this today. You bet. Uh, it is, uh, again, Woodstock. If you're interested, August 16, 17, and 18 at Watkins Glen, New York. Who knows? You, I mean, maybe there won't be another one. Maybe this is your chance. Take your grandkids, take some bad acid, and this time take a raincoat. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're going to do a little countdown here. This is from a number of internet polls that were done. We're combining a bunch of them, but they are the phrases and the words that make us crazy. We hear them all the time. We know they're overused. We hope that we don't use them, but chances are we do with one or two of them. There may be one or two here as we go through them that I'm looking at going, ooh, Odd for me to raise this one since I probably use it once in a while. But these are the things, there are some of these that will, that I'm sure you're going to hear and you're going to say, oh yes, please, everybody stop doing that one. Let me start with, Will's going to come in on this one with me as well, but we'll start slowly here. One that's not, it's not at the upper echelon of the offensive. And when I say offensive, I don't mean offensive as in like racist or something. I just mean offensive as in, please don't do this anymore. On the non on the high list of offensive phrases, but sorry, not sorry. Oh yeah, okay. I yes, yeah. Instantly, your skin starts to crawl. Um, here's one, and these things now have become a meme. Everyone knows what a meme is. This thing it started as I guess it was a royal thing, maybe. I don't even know where this started. I don't know if this started as an official thing and it all got played with, but. It's not really even a phrase that people say now. It's a phrase people print. And it's those stupid things. There's a picture of a crown and it says, keep calm and uh, whatever. Yes. You, whatever. You know where that came from originally, Scott? No. It was a. It was their backup for if England got invaded during World War II. Is that where it was from? Those were going to be their motivational posters. Keep calm and carry on. But then, yeah. Now it's keep calm and whatever. And there's a million of them. And it's 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 no. It was cute. It was funny at the beginning because you go, oh, how ironic. Yeah. That it was keep calm and what. Now it's just chug coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here's one. Now, see this. This is starting to get into the wheelhouse of ones that really do bother me and I don't know why this bothers me so much probably a problem of my own a weakness of my own but I hate it well I'll just say it when someone says cray cray instead of crazy when someone says it's cray cray just for a for a test here 
How many syllables are in crazy? I believe it is two. Crazy. How many syllables are there in cray-cray? I believe it is two. You're not even saving time. You're doing nothing. You're, you're not speeding up your life. You're not accelerating your day. You're not cutting out breath you have to take. You are simply changing it with a stupid, non-word, made-up, stupid thing. I think this one makes, I hate this one. When someone <laughs> says cray cray, I automatically think this person dropped out of school in grade three. See, I think it is, it can, it can be fun. In an informal context, if you're talking with friends, you use slang terms, you work other words in a conversation, so you're not, so that you are expanding your vocabulary. And this is not expanding vocabulary. There's room for nonsense words. We like Dr. Seuss. We can appreciate that. But but Dr. You, Seuss never said cray cray. He never said cray cray. No, he no, wouldn't he did have. Not. This one make, not. this one does make me crazy. I'm not going to say it makes me cray cray. This <laughs> one makes me crazy because you sound like a dip when you say it. You just do. Uh, uh, oh, here's another one. This one, a lot of people. This one is misused horribly. When someone uses the word, overuses the word literally. Uh. <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking yep. about. I yep. literally just about, I, I just about literally died. No, you didn't just about literally die. I literally wet my pants. No, unless you wet your pants, you didn't actually literally, literally means you did it. It's literal. And you know what? If you're just using something that adds an extra rhythm to your words, figuratively fits just fine. I figuratively died. But that sounds the, just as powerful. No one has ever said that, although that would be grammatically much stronger, you, much better. You know how far back it goes, Scott? They have people using literally to mean figuratively in the 1600s. As far back as 1600s, people were messing with it. This one, this is again, now as someone who, I have to admit that until my adult life, I was not a stickler for the grammatical arts. In fact, I had a teacher great in high school, Miss Rorty, I think I've talked about her on this show before, who, if she ever heard that grammar mattered to me now, would probably drop dead on the spot. In high school, if she, she would have had absolute, she was my grammar teacher, she would have had no hint that I was ever going to care a whit about grammar. In fact, I never did care a whit about grammar. I was horrible at it. I was horrible. I I I didn't do my homework. Well, we, there was a whole bunch of stuff. I won't go into all the admission of my sins, but nonetheless, if she had heard that this bothered me, she'd be she would fall over. She would literally fall over. And in that case, I could say it as literally. She would literally collapse because she would be so shocked. How about Oh, another one. Honestly, every time you start a sentence with honestly, it can mean only one of two things. Either it's a throwaway word, and I've, I use this one at times, honestly. Not when you say it like that. If you go, honestly, come on. That's a, that's a different thing. But if you're saying, honestly, I, it means by definition that the rest of your time, the rest of the time, you're not being honest. This is when you're giving someone a fair warning that for this particular moment, you are telling the truth. All the other times, ah, no, I'm just lying. <laughs> Why else would you say it? Yeah. No, I can see it. Well, hey, no one ever you're... goes with the other one. Dishonestly, let me tell you what's going on. With all due disrespect. <laughs> well, that's coming up too. With all due disrespect, yes. Um, 
Oh, here's one. And I've never used this one. This one is the, I think this, this one I think gets used more. Somehow it seems like a female thing to say, mostly because of the hand and the body motion. It's the, like the Beyonce, I can't even, you know, you got the hand and the head and everything. I, I can't even, I won't go into that one. Just saying, just saying is one that I, now I do that one at times. Just yeah. saying. And so, it, and sometimes you use it ironically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We had cray cray drives me nuts. Here's another one that thankfully doesn't get used all that much, but I have heard people use this one before. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it became a thing. I don't know how it became a, a word, but amaze balls or awesome sauce. Any of those two where, where someone, no, no, you don't, 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 not necessary, just stupid. Here is one that is used all the time now. And I don't know when this one started. I don't know when this thing became a thing, but it is used all the time now. I would bet you that almost everybody listening has heard someone use this phrase once, at least once today, as in every day, because it is at the end of the day. This is now the, in conclusion, at the end of the day, we have to break even. At the end of the day, we have to, whatever. At the end of the day, it is a slippery slope. Yeah. At the end, when did at the end of the day become the thing? Why not at the end of the week? At the end of the semester? At the end of the fiscal term? Oh, I like that last one. At the end of the quarter? Uh, Whatever. At the end of the day, it... it, mm. Can I make a guess about one that you're going to find there, Scott? Shoot. I hope it is actually oh it's coming oh good it's coming well we'll go to actually right now we'll skip to it uh as in the alternative which it's kind of like honestly yeah that's exactly what i was thinking i used to think people would say oh i want you to watch this youtube video will it's actually funny it's like well then i hope every other one you showed me was also actually fun now see there is as with all of these there is a purpose for that word. And there are times when you'd say it's actually real mm-hmm. because sometimes you may look at something and go, wait, is that a, is that a, a CGI? Is that made up? You go, no, no, it's actually real. That's not what we're talking about. It's all the other times when you don't need to stress to someone. Yeah. Here's one. Could care less. I could care less. Because the actual, I was going to do it, the actual yeah. grammar, but that's it's that's the right proper, form. It's yep, the proper yep. form. The actual grammar should be, you couldn't care less. If I could care less, then what's the problem? Yeah. You can't, You obviously care about this a I great I care deal. about it because I could care less. I care enough about it that there is a lower ranking of caring that I could reach if I didn't want to care as much. So I could care less. I couldn't care less is the word we, the saying that it should be, but very few people, it's, I could care less. There are some ruder versions with the same, I know, and I think the same thing about them. But if you couldn't care less, then that means you are at the lowest ebb of care possible, which means what you're trying to say here. So Scott, I think the point of this whole list is you could care less about people's use of grammar. Yes, I could care less about it, but that doesn't now, people are going to think it means something that it doesn't mean. I could care less. I could care more. Uh, Here's one. My bad. Hate this one. My bad. It's just one of those stupid things that we say now. How about, I was wrong. My fault. My fault I'm okay with. My bad doesn't work at all. It's not real grammar. 
I know everyone uses it. I know it's it's now in the vernacular. I know it's, but my bad. I'm fine with that one. Here's one that I hate, and we get this is the politician one. This is one we get from politicians all the time. I apologize if it made you feel that way. I apologize if I offended anybody. No, no, because what you're saying when you say I apologize if I offended anybody is not I apologize. It's not I'm sorry for what I've done. It's I apologize if you misinterpreted what I was doing or interpreted it in a way that offended you because it can't be my fault. How about just I apologize? I apologize that I did something that clearly through my actions caused you offense. But no, it's I apologize if I made you feel that way. It's a very different thing. Uh, Oh, sorry, I'm waving my finger around here because this one, this one, now I don't hear this all the time, but every time I do hear this, I think somebody once heard this word, thought, hey, if three syllables are good, four syllables are even better. The correct word is regardless. The incorrect word is irregardless. There is no word irregardless. They are the the way that they are used. Will is the meaning of them is entirely the same, except people put on the ear because somehow that makes it sound more longer. And and you would think, but it's the, irregardless. The ear seems to undo. The regardlessness of it. Now, I've been told to shut up on so many occasions when I corrected people on that one. Well, you, nobody wants to be corrected because you're thinking if you're using the extra syllable, you must be even more intelligent. So who wants to be corrected? Well, it also just slips in there, I think. Like, I have said it by accident and then bit my tongue. Um, when you're talking to someone and they've just found something and you say, oh, it's always the last place you look. This is a, this may be one of the stupidest phrases ever because of course it's the last place you look. Why would you keep looking after you found the object? Who has ever said, oh, it was the third place I looked. It was the middle place I looked. Why would you keep looking then? It doesn't even make sense. But we say it all the time. Oh, yes, it's, it's always the last place you look. No offense, but what is, when you hear someone say, no offense, but what does that immediately tell you is coming? A lot of offense and probably one of those politician <laughs> apologies. <laughs> if someone says, no offense, but, it's the same as saying, I'm not racist, but. Mm-hmm. Right? Anytime you qualify your statement by saying what you're not and then adding a but, you know that what is coming next is diametrically opposed to what they just claimed they weren't. I'm not sexist, but. <laughs> Just something to think about. If you have to warn people before what you say of what you aren't to make sure they don't think you're that, you're going to say something that will lead them automatically to believe that you are that. Just making a point. Uh, Only God can judge me. (laughs) There's a good one. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. We're, you know, it's not nice. It's not polite to judge people, to be judgy of people. But you know what? Sometimes people do incredibly stupid things. And I don't think that it's improper for people to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not judging you for your fashion necessarily or for this or for that. 
But if you do something that is monumentally stupid, yes, we can judge you. Yeah, and you know what? You're always judging a situation. This, this is a pet peeve of mine. We're always, we're supposed to, or else we'd fall down manholes all the time or something. You know, this is... If we didn't judge stuff, every single time that you got an email from a Nigerian prince, you would send him money. Yeah, I learned my lesson the fourth time. <laughs> That's right. Then we use judgment. That's the whole point of the word. We use judgment to make sure that we don't do stupid things. So when you say only God can judge me, which I've heard people use all the time, or don't judge me, same thing. Yeah. Well, if what you did was incredibly stupid, no, I, I can make a judgment on that. I'm, make, not, I'm not going to judge you in terms of I'm not going to hate you or whatever else, but I can judge that what you did was dumb. And hey, maybe we're judging, we're coming up with a fair verdict. You're a very kind person at the end yeah. of the day. Oh yeah, that would be a good defense in court. When you go to the jury and say, only God can judge me. Well, no, actually, we can judge you. Uh, here's one. Believe you me. <laughs> Somebody pointed out, unless you're Yoda, you got to keep the words in the right order. Yes, exactly. Believe you me. Mm. All right, let's, uh, let's keep rolling here. Uh, referring to something as, this is not really a phrase, but referring to something as an ATM machine. Yep. You know what the problem with this is? Oh, yes. Do, do you want to say it or do you want me to, Scott? Well, go ahead. What, what's the problem with calling something an ATM machine? I'm going to use the automated teller machine machine. Exactly. The, the M in ATM is machine. So I want, I'm going to go use the ATM, but the ATM machine doesn't even make sense. Just call them all the robot. Um, do, 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 let's see here. It is what it is. Oh, I, I so dislike that one because it, people use it to talk themselves out of fixing a situation. It, it, it's a throwaway line to dismiss anything that you don't want to have to deal with. Yeah. With all due respect, again, goes back to the, I'm not racist, but lie. it's the exact same thing with all due respect. As soon as someone says with all due respect, you know that what's coming next is something entirely disrespectful. So don't even use it. Just say, you know what? I'm going to say something that's going to disrespect you right now. Just brace yourself. That would be better. That would be not so stupid. At this moment in time, why not just say right now, at this moment in time, six words, you could say it with two. Right now, but at this moment of time, sounds much more professional and businesslike and all the rest. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, saving the best for last or one of the best for last. There is, back years ago, my parents used to call me on the fact that I would occasionally, as in way too often, back in high school when this was a very popular word. And in high school, you always latch on to a few words and overuse them to death. If anyone who's had high school age kids or been in high school understands this, we've all gone through it. Awesome was the word that was in the 80s. Awesome. Everything was awesome. I said awesome about a thousand times a day. Not everything was awesome, but may as well have been. Today, here's the latest one that everyone seemingly is doing and it is driving me nuts. I know, right? Oh, I know, right? Oh. Or any, you don't even have to have the, I know, right? Just the right at the end of a sentence with the question going up. Will, good segment, right? I know, right? I know, right? Like, <laughs> You could go back and forth. It's, 
if this is this to me strikes me as just people who are desperately seeking affirmation that what they're saying has some validity and they're not really sure of it. So they want the other person to give them back something that says you're not a moron. Well, you see, this is what I've noticed about a lot of these words that come up here. They come from when you're feeling nervous. People use right? them. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we use them when we're trying to fill a sentence and when we're maybe we're tired and anxious and we throw in actually because we're saying, oh, this is actually funny. Don't right? worry. You can trust my judge. Yeah, all that stuff. It's about gain confidence and you can kind of chop out a lot of these nonsense words from your vocabulary. Ah, yeah, right. And it can start with chopping. <laughs> You could just use it all the time. We could have, I could have done this on every sentence that we do and finish it with, right? And want to know something? There are people who would not blink, wouldn't bat an eye. It's like, oh, that's, that's how we talk now. It would have been a conversation. That's how we talk. And it, this is the new thing, because we got to go. This is the new thing, because at one time, we didn't use the word right. We just rose our voice at the end of a sentence. Yep. Right? I, well, I we're going that. to, we're going to go to a break. Or, Will, we're going to go to a break? And it was like, no, that's not a statement. That's a question. That's an uncertainty. Well, that's what we do now with this one, right? I know, right? Here's the, que- here's the challenge now for everyone listening. Catch yourself tonight or tomorrow. How many times you do that? How many times you finish a sentence with, right? And every time you do, did you ever, see the, did you ever watch Cheers? In one episode of Cheers, Cliff Clavin had a dog shot collar on. Go buy a dog shot collar. <laughs> And give someone near you the handle, the, the remote thing. And every time you finish a sentence with, right, have them press the button on it. We'll fix you. We'll fix you before the end of the day. Might be a little extreme. <laughs> Maybe, right? The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.